This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Wednesday afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rob Hart. The NFL and Amazon are teaming up for a first-ever Black Friday game starting next season. We'll talk about that in our next segment. But right now, let's continue the discussion on housing starts. That leads today's data. We're joined by Steve Kirch, real estate editor of MarketWatch.com. Steve, thanks for joining us today. It sounds like the bottom line is that when mortgage rates hit 7.7%, the housing sector just slows to a crawl, and that includes the construction of new homes. Right. Uh, we saw an 8% decline uh, in the current data. That uh, just follows on a lot of other data points we've had about a slowing housing market. And you've got it right, Rob. It's interest rates that are the culprit right now. They are more than double uh, where they were at the beginning of the year. And that is really starting to put a crimp in the homeowner's ability to to finance homes. That's a special problem for home builders uh, because they have uh, uh, to cater to a lot of first-time buyers and people uh, trying to get into the market, and that's that's where a lot of this is impacting the most. Now, does this mean new homes are still under construction but at a slightly lower rate, or does this mean the entire sector is ground to a halt? Well, no, it's not ground to a halt. We still have uh, about 1.4 million units under construction, but it's it's a gradual decline. Single-family home uh, construction was down about 3%. Permits are also declining, so that's a, a problem for future business for homeowners, and that's a bigger problem broader problem for the economy as a whole as well. Is this a kind of a counterintuitive cycle? Because the reason why rates are so high is inflation. And one of the main things driving inflation is the cost of shelter. And uh, would slowing down or even stopping the construction of new shelter, uh, does that add to more inflationary pressure? Well, it, it theoretically should actually ease some of the inflationary pressure if housing is to decline. Folks that want to sell their homes are going to have to adjust their prices downward, and so that should ease some of the pressure, uh, at least in the uh, for-sale housing market, the ownership market. What that does to rents, uh, you know, you might actually see rents continue to climb because people priced out of the housing market still have to live somewhere. And then with uh, home construction slowing down, what are the implications for the broader economy? Uh, Is this something that can lead to a downturn, or is this a welcome breather for overstretched supply chains? 
Well, uh, I, I think housing, you know, is one of the engines, one of the drivers of, of our economy. And you have to just think about all of the ancillary purchases that surround a housing purchase. It's not just the transaction itself, but all the things that go on afterwards, uh, you know, all the carpeting, the painting, uh, the uh, the sprucing up of the yard, all of that stuff happens generally after you buy a new home. And so a lot of that's not going to be taking place, and that's going to take some of the steam out of GDP. Steve Kirch, real estate editor with Market Watch, based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, Amazon and the NFL are expanding their partnership. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Starting next year, there will be a Black Friday game in the NFL exclusively on Amazon. Also, the NBA has reimagined the league's app. Let's check in with Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertair Group, based in Chicago. Tim, thanks for joining us today. If you uh, experience the NFL season, especially the Thursday night uh, Amazon game, exclusively through the lens of Twitter and the cranks and misanthropes who uh, spend the bulk of their time there, myself included, uh, you would think that uh, Amazon purchased a white elephant uh, because a lot of the uh, Thursday night games have been uh, less than compelling. Uh, Is this a small sample size situation right now? Yeah, I, look, I, uh, some of this is that's uh, I think people are not comfortable, Rob, with the uh, still the idea of having to find another outlet uh, to find the game that's on. Uh, where is it this time? I don't see it on my channels that I normally get. I got to get this Amazon Prime or Prime video thing. Um, I, I think that flushes itself out over time. Streaming, as we've talked about uh, for eons, right, is is the majority manner in which people watch or consume television these days, right? So it's, it stands to reason that streaming will get more and more live sports. And Prime Video is basically, you know, uh, maybe even leading some of that, uh, that mindset. Uh, you can quibble about the quality of the broadcasts. I think they've been actually quite stellar. Uh, the game's uh, been relatively entertaining, and the broadcast teams and all that stuff, I mean, it's top-notch um, uh, broadcast capability. Um, but, you know, adding another game where it's only exclusive to Prime Video, you know, yeah, it's a little different now, right? It's not going to be on a CBS or a Fox that you're normally used to. Um, I think that's just a sign of the times. And on top of that, Amazon uh, went entirely top shelf. They got Al Michaels, a, a, a literal uh, living legend in sports broadcasting, to be the uh, the, the face and the voice of uh, their NFL franchise. And the streaming numbers themselves are fairly healthy, especially when stacked up against uh, some of the numbers put up by uh, football games on broadcast television. Yeah, and that's not really a surprise. And I think it's also uh, folly to try to directly compare a linear broadcast television uh, audience rating with that of streaming because there are so many different uh, elements that are different. Uh, They're not sort of apples to apples straight comparison. But um, look, when you layer in the two local team broadcasts on television, which is a a quirk of the NFL uh, contract, right, that if it's on streaming or if it's on NFL Network or some other harder-to-find outlet, uh, it needs to at least be available for free over the air to the local audiences. When you add in the prime video audience of these games nationally with the two local broadcasts in those respective markets, it's relatively on par to where it was 
on either an NFL network or on a Fox or on a, 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 some other outlet on a Thursday night. So it, it's holding its own in terms of scale. There's no question about that. NBA season starts this week. The league has uh, reimagined their app. What does that mean as far as the uh, portability of uh, following the broadcast? I experienced uh, the app last night for myself, and I was uh, uh, blown away by how sophisticated it was. Um, uh, it, it incorporates all of the rights. So if you subscribe to uh, the broadcast uh, on NBA Game Pass or uh, on uh, uh, you know any other system, it will be smart enough to recognize it. It offers multiple camera angles, um, and a lot of it is free uh, in addition to that or despite that. Um, they've really integrated a lot of great stuff like social media and uh, statistics and all that kind of stuff. So if you're looking for a really good example of how pro sports is getting streaming and apps correct, look at the NBA's brand new app uh, available literally today and tonight's game for the Bulls. In the future, uh, will broadcasts of teams uh, be controlled entirely by the team itself? That is, the team is going to produce the broadcast for use on their proprietary app, or will it be done entirely through the league so the league makes the money? I think that's an excellent question, maybe for another conversation, Rob. But uh, yes, I think teams and leagues will both be more involved and owning of the experiences of themselves over time. Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertier Group based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. Coming up next, the U.S. emergency oil stockpile is at a nearly four-decade low. The only program dedicated to currency events. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. America's strategic petroleum reserve is at a 38-year low. Let's discuss the significance with Stephen Shork, principal and co-founder of the Shork Group in Villanova, Pennsylvania. Website, theshorkreport.com. Stephen, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, the White House announcing that uh, some more oil will be released from the uh, SPR, and there has been a consistent uh, release of a million barrels a month uh, since the beginning of the Russian invasion of Ukraine to uh, mitigate the impact on the uh, international oil markets. Um, is this a sign that uh, in the future, uh, presidencies and White Houses, administrations, regardless of political uh, affiliation, will uh, use the SPR as both a weapon and a way of uh, mitigating the price of gas in the U.S.? Well, let's keep in mind, Rob, that over a year ago, since we started moving 200 million barrels of government crude oil onto the commercial market, uh, it has not done anything to really mitigate prices. In the Illinois average, uh, prices there are $4.30 a gallon for gasoline. That's a 23% increase since barrels started coming out of the SPR. And in diesel, diesel prices at $5.38 a gallon are 49% higher. So the SPR has been politicized. This has never happened since the advent of the SPR in the 1970s. The SPR is meant to mitigate the short-term disruption uh, relative to in crude oil, so things like war or hurricanes or, or pipeline outages. It's never been used, and this is why it has failed, it's never been used to try to mitigate prices. And I also want to point out that the Biden administration started moving barrels out in November three months prior to the uh, Ukraine-Russia war. So again, this was meant to try to uh, tamp down prices. Now, in March of 2021, the SPR had 53 days of oil, 53 days of demand cover, the seventh highest level ever. Today, we have fewer than 26 days of cover, the 19th largest ever, again, going back to the 1970s. 
Now, Rob, imagine instead of Florida, if Hurricane Ian slammed into Louisiana or Texas, a la 2017's Hurricane Harvey or 2005's Hurricane Katrina Rita, then we would be at an extreme low level of emergency supplies. This will go down as the most reckless move or one of the most reckless moves by any White House to deplete our storage by three out of every eight days of supply solely to try and get prices down as opposed to offset the disruption of oil, which we have not seen. And then how is this uh, this supply of oil replenished? I mean, some of the analysis you see online is that uh, not only can you use it as a weapon uh, against price manipulation by OPEC, but then you could also buy it back at a much lower price in the future. How does that work? Well, essentially, prices have to come down in the future. And given that we're not producing, uh, and OPEC is not manipulating the market. OPEC is responding to its own economic forecast. And the fact that if the United States was producing the 1 million barrels a day more than we were producing two years ago, this OPEC decision would have no impact. So what we are seeing now is no dollar, you know, fewer dollars going in to get oil out of the ground. And hence, our production is going to continue to be low. So the gamble here is that we are releasing oil, and we've been releasing oil with oil prices in between 80 and $100 a barrel. We will have to replenish those, those, those barrels, and it all depends on where we are. If I'm correct, and I think I am correct, the United States is going into a hard economic landing, which will suppress oil prices uh, as the economy, the entire economy suffers. So I can see oil prices going down below $50 a barrel into that $40 range. That would be an excellent opportunity for the government to buy back these barrels. It remains to be seen. Stephen Shork, principal and co-founder of the Shork Group based in Villanova, Pennsylvania, and also behind the website, theshorkreport.com. Still ahead in Personal Finance Wednesday, looking at differences between an average 401k and a great one. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The Cook County Treasurer says a loophole in the law is allowing private equity firms and others to make huge profits on the sale of delinquent taxes. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. There are certain features that distinguish a great 401k from a typical one. And on the finance front, marking the 35th anniversary of the epic Black Monday crash with a trader who was there. WBBM business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 248 points. The NASDAQ is down 154. The S&P 500 is down 44. 
AccuWeather says mostly sunny today with a chilly, gusty breeze and a high of 49. We have 44 degrees right now under mostly sunny skies at 1231. Topic our news at the half hour. The Cook County Treasurer says a study finds that private companies are exploiting a loophole in state property tax law to make millions of dollars in profits at the expense of black and Latino communities. The story from WBBM's Mike Krauser. Treasurer Maria Pappas says investors from all over the country are drawn to the tax sale like it was the California gold rush. She says they're getting rich from a 1983 law they helped rewrite. Tax buyers pay the delinquent taxes of property owners. If the property owners pay it back with steep interest, they get their property back. If they don't, the tax buyer has an out. And Pappas says they're exploiting it and have been since the law was changed. They can get their investment returned with interest if they can show there was an error, and that can be a small thing. A property is listed as not having air conditioning when it really does. The money goes back to the tax buyer, and the property goes back on the rolls, and the tax buyer walks out of the county building with up to 54% interest. The government is on the hook for repayment with interest. Pappas says it's cost $280 million over the past seven years. She's recommending changing the law. That's the story from the Cook County Treasurer's Office. Hey, it's 1232. The noon business hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Markets are losing ground. We're joined by Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk, based in Chicago. Michael, thanks for joining us this afternoon. After uh, two days of uh, strong buying, uh, the markets are selling off today. Is this simply a reaction to uh, Monday and Tuesday? Well, good afternoon, Rob, and thanks for having me on. You know, we have come a long way on the upside recently, as you said, but, you know, what's concerning was more uh, uh, scary uh, inflation data coming this time from the U.K., overnight and and that caused bond yields to rise uh, here in the United States and every time yields rise and the dollar gets stronger that's a huge headwind for stocks so even though we had some great earnings uh over the last 24 hours uh on the corporate side and the, the macro is still very very shaky and these headwinds especially inflation and and, and interest rates are are really causing stocks to have a tough time continuing their rally the uh, earnings reports that uh, come out, especially uh, the guidance going forward, everyone seems to be uh, bracing for the possibility of recession. The banks are, are shoring up uh, funds to make sure they can cover loan losses. Uh, the sandbags are already going up. But at the same time, it also points to an American consumer that is still very willing to spend, whether it's on uh, a, Netflix, a Netflix subscription or a, an airline flight. Yeah, exactly. So you're alluding to Netflix earnings as it came out and, and United Airlines. Uh, both beat on top line and bottom line, and Netflix uh, added 2.4 million subscribers, which uh, I think expe- expectation was 1 million, so they beat it by a lot. And uh, so they, they paint a, a rosier picture than what you hear from the banks, and even Jeff Bezos overnight had said it's time to batten down the hatches. So question is, who do you believe? Um, obviously, it's a mixed bag. Uh, some some uh, of the CEOs are seeing a different picture than others. And, you know, it, it, it depends on who, who you hear. Uh, Procter & Gamble came out and said the consumer is resilient uh, overnight uh, with their earnings. And uh, so it, it's a mixed bag. But, you know, the, the big concern is inflation. And no matter how well the consumer is doing right now, if inflation continues to be a problem, they're not going to hold out for a, 
uh, much longer. You know, we think here at MJP Capital, there's a 50-50 chance of recession in, in 2023, which is much better than normal. But that's going to depend on what inflation does in the next uh, six to 12 months and how how tight the Fed makes things. So we'll have to see what Powell does, you know, later in the month, or actually in, in, in November at their meeting. But uh, right now, you know, the macro picture is poor, but the corporate earnings picture is fine. So it's really a mixed bag, and that's why we get this high volatility. The market has, is a different uh, emotion every day, and, and, and it's going to be continue to be this way until we get a clearer picture of where we're going. I mean, prices are higher in part because uh, consumers are willing to pay them. Sometimes in the case of gas and food, you have no choice. But is there a point at which uh, the, uh, the the shopping public just says no more? Uh, it's it's simply too high. I'm staying home. And that's what I'm talking about. So it, inflation, if it continues the way it is, and we continue to have negative real um, income growth for, for consumers, this party cannot continue. And that's what the market has sniffed out and why we've had this sell-off. The question is, how much longer are we going to have inflationary pressures like we have right now? Um, I, I do believe that it, it, it does abate next year, and the consumer can remain somewhat resilient here. Um, and that's why we think that fair value in S&P is just a little bit above where we're at here. We're not in these dire uh, um, predictions of, of some people like Jamie Dimon and others that think we're definitely heading for recession. But if inflation does not ebb, we, we will we will end up in, in in a recession. The question is, will that happen? And, and, and you're going to have to just see what happens with the numbers over the next six months. Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital, author of the book Calculated Risk. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's Personal Finance Wednesday, and this afternoon the focus is on the 401k. Seemingly everyone has one, and what elevates it to a higher level. Let's get the expertise of Ed Jertson, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. The website is engagewealthgroup.com. Ed, thanks for joining us this afternoon. What is the difference between a good 401k and a great 401k? Great question, Robin. Great to be with you. I think two things that are really important, especially in this very competitive environment for talent, is you want to find a 401k or just an overall retirement benefit plan within a company that's really robust. And what that means is twofold. One is low fees, which is always very helpful within the plan, but also what kind of company match is there? Obviously, the higher the match, the better. And these are just like two simple elements to sort of judge if you've got, let's say, competition between a couple of different offers for a job to kind of look at in great detail because it really matters over the long run. I mean, the great resignation may be running out of gas and the uh, labor market is not nearly as robust as it was, say, a year ago. But is that something uh, you could negotiate if uh, they're not going to move on salary, maybe uh, either a, a company match or a more generous match going forward? Yeah, it's typically you can't generally negotiate with a company for a higher match because those are pretty much set in place. But again, if you're looking at a couple of different job offers, you know, that that higher match can really make an impactful difference. So, for instance, if one company is offering a 4% match and another company is offering an 8% match, over a 20-year career, it has a significant difference in regards to how much you'd have at that end. 
So those are the kind of things to really pay attention to in terms of just how robust those benefits are, not only for the salary, but again, all the other things that kind of come along with the job. Okay, so you have a very good uh, company match, but uh, you get to uh, the enrollment period, and then they have three or four different retirement accounts uh, from which you can choose. Where should you zero in on to identify, oh, this is the good one? You know, this is one of the biggest challenges we find with people who are first enrolling. It's overwhelming for most people. You know, more and more companies are having auto enrollment, but what to choose, what fund to go into first, what we often guide people is, A, start as soon as you can so you get that match. But number two, one of the easiest way to get started, Rob, is through target date funds, where you pick a retirement year, and literally those funds are on autopilot until you become more familiar with your plan and then understand the different investments. It's a great way to get started without having to worry or angst over what choices you're making. Yes, it's one of uh, the Vanguard options, and yes, they're really good. Um, on the on the other side of it, though, you could uh, they do give you options of uh, do you want the, uh, the conservative uh, approach or the aggressive approach? And the conservative approach, of course, is the you know, a, a lower uh, growth rate over time, but it's a lot safer. And the other one offers a higher growth rate and is a little more risky. Um, should you evaluate those? Should you even go in that particular direction? Should you get the risky one just because you want the higher growth number? Well, here's the important part, Rob. Every investor, every contributor, let's say, to a retirement plan has their own money DNA and their own risk preference. So while people might say, hey, take the most risky option because you're young, if you make bad decisions in terms of either stop contributing or moving money out of the market at the most inopportune time, then you've got too high of a risk parameter because we all love risk when it goes up not so much when it's going down. But for those folks who have a really long timeline, 10 years plus, it makes sense to be potentially more aggressive, but it has to fit your money personality. Ed Jertson, certified financial planner and founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago, the website EngageWealthGroup.com. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday. And still to come, today marks 35 years since the Black Monday crash of 1987. What have we learned since then? Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 35 years ago today, in 1987, Black Monday, the Dow plummeted more than 22% in one day. It was the biggest one-day drop in history. Let's look back on that day with someone who lived through that infamous moment in market history. We welcome in Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer of Crescent Capital, based in Chicago. Jack, thanks for joining us, and you were a bond trader on Black Monday in 1987. Uh, What were some of the economic conditions that were leading up to that massive sell-off because it looked like uh, the conditions were uh, it were ripe. A uh, sell-off was already taking place when trading ended that Friday, and then it was Katie bar the door on Monday morning. That's it, Rob. It was you know I was a young trader, probably at my desk for maybe three or four years at that time, um, and it was frightening. We had um, really pretty mild economic conditions. We did have a tax reform act that was. Uh, taking place, so that eliminated a lot of uh, incentive for big-time investing, particularly in real estate, things like that. But it was also a sneakily strong dollar that kind of kept strengthening in the background, and we had a whole series of uh, 
a portfolio strategy called portfolio insurance that um, uh, invest that that institutions had offered, and then essentially it meant that you know we could promise that you won't lose a certain amount of money. Well, what that meant was they would have to sell if the market dropped, and guess what? The market dropped, and everyone sold. Alan Greenspan was the chairman of the Federal Reserve back then. He stepped in, said that the uh, central bank would cover any losses and uh, that calmed things down eventually. But to put this in perspective, that would be the equivalent of the market dropping a little over 6,000 points, uh, the Dow, in one day, which would be an absolutely mind-boggling figure. Um, as far as media coverage was concerned, it was a, a different. It was different back then. Um, you didn't have CNBC. You didn't didn't have stock market channels. You didn't have people uh, screaming on TV all day. Uh, I was seven years old when it happened, and I remember, you know, the 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 stock market report would be the bump out at the first segment of the evening news. It was just something that happened before a commercial. You had shows on PBS. That was it. Uh, how did the financial media react to that drop thirty five years ago? Yeah, it was, it was certainly uh, huge headlines. Um, but I think you're right. It, the news really, you know, disseminated obviously not as quickly as it does today. And I remember taking, I was uh, taking the train to work. I was in Boston taking the train to work with some colleagues and and friends in the business, and we were just kind of talking um, amongst ourselves. And strangers would come up to us and just ask, you know, is everything going to be okay? I mean, what's going on here? And uh, um, you know, of course, we we you know kept a stiff upper lip and said, "Oh, sure, I think everything's going to be fine." And you know, we looked at each other and shrugged our shoulders. But um, people were gathered out front of, of brokerage. Uh, you know, they they used to have these uh, storefronts. You know, Schwab and these other uh, brokerage retail brokerage firms would have these storefronts, and people would just be gathered outside in the window, just watching uh, the uh, the ticker uh, go by on the screen. And then very quickly, what was the ratio of in-person trades to computer trades in 1987? Well, probably very few computer trades. But like I said, this portfolio insurance was program trading. Um, what they tried to do is say, look, you know, if you uh, invest in, in this, you know, with us, uh, we will make sure you don't lose uh, more than a certain amount. Um, and, and and every, you know, unfortunately, all of these institutions were on the same side of the canoe. And so when the market started to drop, you know, in order to honor their commitments, they had to start selling and everyone sold in unison. So I think it was really a lot of that program trading um, that really pushed uh, the market as, as far as it did. But keep in mind, uh, market really fully recovered by the end of the year. It was the most dramatic recovery, uh, you know, certainly the most dramatic drop that I've ever seen, and an equally dramatic recovery. Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer, Crescent Capital. Thanks for that walk down memory lane. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.